love has done its part And let him reign in my life and my heart If love has done its part Welcome to Healing Hidden Wounds Radio, sponsored by Shadow of His Wings Ministry. We are glad you are listening today and hope you find words of healing, insight, and restoration. Shadow of His Wings Ministry was founded by Lee and Shay Preston and born out of God's vision for setting captives free. If you would like to support us in the work we do, please visit www.shadowofhiswingsministry.com to donate. Today on Healing Hidden Wounds, Lee is talking with Jonathan Darty, director of Be Broken Ministries. Let's listen in as Lee and Jonathan discuss the ins and outs of recovery from sexual brokenness. This week, we are going to challenge you in our Healing Hidden Wounds segment uh, about what it means to, you know, be God's man. And uh, my name is Jonathan Darty, and I'm here with my friend Lee Preston. Hey, Lee. Hi, Jonathan. And uh, so, Lee, uh, you know, you kind of brought, you brought the material for this week's uh, uh, program, so I'm just going to pass it off to you and see where you want to take us on this idea of taking the challenge of being God's man. Well, I think it kind of, uh, kind of, came to fruition in a place of just trying to realize what what God intended for men to be like in the very beginning. Uh, No matter whether you've struggled with uh, sexual addiction in general or same-sex attraction and addiction, it's just defining that that person that God says, this is a man how I designed him to be. Well, and uh, isn't that really, I mean, especially when we've talked about, uh, you know, same-sex attraction sort of stuff, isn't that really one of the fundamental baselines where things get off track. Exactly. Well, that's, uh, you know, the whole beginning is, am I really man enough? And the lies that I hear about myself about not being a man, and how do I address those things? And that's where I think the homosexual sin starts, is trying to address them in ways that uh, are not of God and are of the lies of the enemy. So what is the... uh... You know, I think a lot of times, especially when we deal with folks in recovery in any sort of addiction, whether it be, you know, heterosexual sexual addiction, homosexual sexual addiction, um, there it, it tends to be that we always need to go back to some sort of origins. You know, we need to go back to some roots. We need to go back to some fundamentals. You hear that word tossed around. What are the fundamentals? And so I, I guess kind of where what you're saying is it's really important, at least from a Christian's perspective to actually go back to the very beginning. Right. You know, well, when God made Adam, what was what was the design? What was the I don't I don't necessarily want to say prototype, but kind of what was that what was he designed for? And how was he designed to relate? How was he designed to work? How was he designed to think? Um, you know, inter engage life. And so that seems to be a really important place to start if we want to get a handle on, okay, what does it mean to be a godly man? What does it mean to be, and you, in my opinion, you could replace what does it mean to be God's man with a real man. Right. An authentic, real man. Because think about it. If God created us, then to be a godly man would mean to be you're an authentic, real man. Because that's, 
that would, from God's perspective, that would be normal, right? Right, right. Well, and I think normal goes all the way back to deciding what is God's design for even how we act. And I think two words come to my mind, and that's passivity versus pursuing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've got that uh, poster here in our office of Braveheart, you know, and and the warrior. And and God's really brought to my mind lately just that image of the warrior. Uh, I don't think that he ever intended us to lay back and wait. He was always, he's a pursuing God, and so I think he intends us to be pursuing men as well. So then what are some of the lies that begin to infiltrate, let's say, a little boy's mind to the point where he starts not engaging that true design, not engaging what it what it means to be an initiator, a, a pursuer? Um, and and as I'm saying that, I realize, you know, I'm getting this image of maybe some of our our female listeners out there who are tensing up and maybe even cringing when we say, you know, initiator, pursuer, because possibly to them that interprets to abuse, that interprets to aggression. And, and I want to make sure our listeners understand, especially the women who are listening, we are not, this, this whole challenge is not going to be about calling men to be aggressive in a violent, you know, abusive sort of way. That's right, John. And, and as a matter of fact, a lot of this material that we're discussing today was born out of a lot of comments that came from women, women of uh, wives of men who struggled with uh, same-sex attraction or wives that struggle with I mean, I'm sorry, or, or men who struggle with just uh, sexual addiction in general. Mm-hmm. And these wives saying, I don't feel pursued. I feel like he's my roommate. I feel like he's my friend, but he he doesn't pursue me. Which, which in, a, in her mind, translates to mean what? He doesn't desire me. He doesn't seek after me. There's a real difference, and you're exactly right, between a man who aggressively... Uh, goes after a woman even in in the midst of her saying no. But there is a complete difference in that and the man who really seeks after a woman, learns how to pursue her, shows her the desire in his heart for her, and helps her to see his attraction to her. I mean, that is, in my opinion, the the dance that we're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then what are some of these lies then that begin to infiltrate this young boy's mind to where he starts moving away from that design of being an initiator, of being someone who, who as, as the Bible calls husbands, to live with their wives in an understanding way, which I think has a pursuit sort of mentality, because how can you understand someone if there isn't some level of pursuit there that you're trying to get to know this person? So then what kind of lies are interjected into that young boy's mind that start getting him off track? Well, I think the biggest one is I don't fit. Somehow I don't fit in the masculine role. Uh, and whether that's by, uh, I think, first of, first and foremost, that's usually by a father who didn't really model that very well to his kids. And that's why I think this can affect both heterosexual addictions and, and homosexual addiction. Because here's this little boy, and all he sees is dad. And dad is a very passive, uh, what I call newspaper dad. He sits behind the newspaper and reads it and puts mm-hmm. it away in the end of the evening and goes to bed. He doesn't pursue his wife. He doesn't pursue time with his kids. 
Um, he finds himself not even really pursuing a job. I mean, he may have a job, but he never takes those chances that God says, hey, this is what pursuing is about. This is that warrior mentality of taking that next step. So he finds himself kind of resigning to waiting for things to happen to him rather than going out and seeking them. And could some of that also uh, come down to maybe being in a family situation where this little boy um, just is so different personality-wise maybe from his dad that maybe his dad is a, a pretty good model of a masculine man, but there's just this disconnect between them because, um, you know, maybe the dad is, I don't know, a mechanic or a fireman, and the boy wants to be an artist or a musician. And the dad, in his frustration of just not being able to understand or connect with his child on that same level, just kind of naturally starts distancing himself. And here's this young boy that's saying the same sort of thing. I don't fit. I can't, because see, this, this, this dad, this guy, this man that I idolize... I I can't ever be like him, and there's this wall that I just can't I can't get interested in in mechanic mechanical things or in the things he's interested in, and so therefore I must be odd, I must be weird, I, maybe I'm not really a man, and maybe some of those thoughts start. Sure, oh definitely, and I think even at some point the little boy can ultimately reject then the father. Mm -hmm. as you said, and say, oh, I don't know how to do this, so I don't think he's the role model that I will look to, and therefore he may drift over to mom, and she may become the primary role model that he drifts to because she's more sensitive and more caring. But even in that scenario you just gave, I would offer to you that even in that perspective, the father's not pursuing because mm -hmm. he should then pursue a relationship with his son even if he sees his son not adjusting to being more mechanical. If he sees his son having a bent towards uh, art or creativity, that must be a God-given talent, and he must be now the one who needs to bend and to pursue his son in those things that his son was made for. And I think that's the mistake that sometimes all of us as fathers, myself included, make, is we're comfortable doing what we know, but pursuing takes doing something that we don't know and learning how to do it so we can then pursue that relationship. Well, yeah, it's always natural to gravitate towards what we know versus what we don't. Right. Even that dad who, you know, like myself maybe, who didn't play a lot of sports but may have a kid who likes to play sports mm -hmm. and being that initial, that fear of saying, uh-oh, if I get out there, is he going to think I'm, you know, dumb or I don't know how to play sports or I'm not any good at it? And just being willing to push past that and say, you know what, I'm not so great at it, son, but at least you and I learn together and pursuing him and his relationship. And so, and also, I guess some of the lies could be even from from peers, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you've got some habits or quirks that are different from some of the other boys. Um, maybe, again, your interests just aren't the same. I remember growing up in school, and I went to a small school, but you know what? There's this, I believe that percentages are the same no matter where you go. Right. I mean, there's always, you know, even though it was a smaller school, the percentages of the ones in the, in the school who were considered kind of on the outside uh, of the lines would be the same as if you were in a large school. Sure. Just the numbers were smaller. Uh, but I remember there were there were certain kids in our school that everybody just kind of, those of us who were kind of the athletes, the jocks, we didn't know what to do with them. 
you know they weren't into sports they were they weren't necessarily even into like uh band or the arts they were just kind of there and i remember that you know uh some of us and you know hindsight you look back on some of the things you did in your life and you think how stupid and insensitive you know but we would we would it was easier to either name call or it was easier to just say that guy's gay you know sure than to actually again cross that line and pursue and say you know what are you like what do you like what who are you Exactly. You know? And and even that is taking pursuing on, you know, pursuing this relationship. But there's there's this tendency, especially in the in um same sex attraction and same sex addiction, to be the unnoticeable, you know, to be the one who's quiet, off to himself or herself, don't want the uh, the attention because if I get too much attention then I actually have to relate and then that social I I'm not sure I even trust my own social skills. And there comes another lie is I don't know how to be a man. And so if a man, if a, if a guy who looks like a jock comes up to one of those unnoticeables or those guys who don't really know that they're, you know, that they can be a man and even begins that interaction, they might actually shy away saying, oh, wait a minute, I'm too scared to do this. And that even causes a bigger rift between the two. Mm-hmm. Well, that, this may be a good time then for us to kind of shift into, okay, let's talk about this idea of this mentality of being pursued versus pursuing and maybe how that starts to, um, what what that's going to look like in a kid that's growing up, the 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 boy that may be growing up and understanding what it means to uh, be an initiator as a as a man, versus the the boy growing up who develops this mentality of, well, I'm to be pursued. Can can we talk about that kind of how the differences between those two? Well, I think a real important. A real important scenario there is 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 kids and how they interact and play. You know, the kid that comes up is the natural-born leader. He already knows what he's going to be doing. He brings the football to recess. He says, hey, let's join up. Let's get a team going here. Who wants to be on this team? You know, I'll pick. You pick two, and we'll separate into teams. Uh, and so he's initiating. He's taking on that responsibility. And I'm, I'm, I want to make sure and voice this ahead of time. I'm not picking on anybody out there who didn't initiate. I'm one of those non-initiators myself. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I'm saying is, is I remember kind of being the kid who hung back in the background waiting for someone to pick me. And at some point, you know, you have this mentality of, well, I'm too afraid to step forward, so I'll wait till someone pulls me forward. And at some point, that just doesn't, it doesn't work anymore because in, in the real world, to wait... And to be passive, you tend to lose out on opportunities that you might normally have or that God has for you. I've had to even learn that, that sometimes God has had opportunity for me that I waited on because I was too afraid to take that initial step to say, let's go for it. And I can identify with that, too, growing up. So, And I'd like the listeners to know these are some of these are, are fundamental principles that are not exclusive to boys that eventually develop same-sex attractions. Exactly. These are, because, I mean, I have a very similar story when I was a kid. I, I, I remember even in high school, I would, I would uh, you know, at night or whatever, I'd develop these elaborate um, scenarios in my head of maybe certain girls at school that I was very attracted to, but considered them so far out of my league 
that I would just have to create these scenarios in my head of them eventually one day just coming to me and saying, hey, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread, Jonathan. Will you go out with me? Sure. And it'd have to only occur in my head because there was no way I was going to set feet to those plans and actually go up to any of these girls because I had that that fear. And, you know, some of that is just natural teenage Intimidation. Fears. Just a little bit of... Uh, and, and so, you know, there's a, there's where that line is, it's sometimes hard to determine, okay, what's a, what's just kind of natural of being a hormonal kid and what is turning into maybe sort of a pattern of avoidance, a pattern of detachment, a pattern of buying into the delusion that, uh, life opportunities, relationships will just automatically happen and fall into my lap. Sure. And, and, and that's what I think ultimately a lot of this does in, in boys growing up is it subtly creeps in to the point where we are seeing what I would consider an epidemic, especially in the church, of passive men. Amen. I think that's, I think that's the key is the image that God keeps giving me is of truly of the warrior. And, and the warrior was always capable of knowing when to proceed and when to hang back. But knowing that is even part of that warrior mentality. And I'm not saying we're all supposed to carry around, you know, guns and knives and fight. What I mean is, is that, you know, there is that mentality of being a man and knowing when to press forward and take the hard step versus sitting back and waiting for the hard step to come to you or letting it pass you by. And that's that image I get of that little boy out on the playground who's scared. He doesn't know quite what to do. Uh, and maybe he wants to participate in something, but rather than just going over and saying, hey, whose team can I be on, he'll sit back and wait until somebody comes to him. And then when they don't come to him, then he's very hurt, and he's very rejected, and it even builds a stronger wall around his little heart that says, nobody's going to want me to play. So there again, I really do believe the lie that I'm not a man. I'm not, a, I'm not male. And what he'll do then is probably find himself venturing off into other things, such as playing with the girls who are over here, because they're fairly accepting, and there's not a lot of of initiative there that he has to take. He just kind of walks up, and they're, they're social, more social usually than mm -hmm. guys are. And so they'll bring him right in, and he'll take on his role there. And then before you know it, he's kind of drawn to that rather than drawn back to where you know his, his true self can be nurtured and can be grown and matured. And I think then it becomes a pattern of... Because uh, I developed a lot of friendships in my high school and, and uh, college days, a lot of just friendships with women, with girls. And what I realized, though, looking back on all that, is a lot of those relationships is very much what you're talking about. It's just kind of this group sort of thing where where the women would just be, oh, you know, just we're just friends and no big deal. But what it did was subtly kind of created this expectation in me that that's how all of life should go. That right. all I need to do is just kind of get within, like, maybe, I don't know, shouting distance of anything, whether it be work opportunity, whether it be a friendship, whether it be, um, you know, a ministry opportunity, whatever, just kind of get near. But don't ever actually initiate, don't ever actually go forward, because, hey, it'll all just come to you. Mm -hmm. And I think getting back to kind of our real, another real-life example of when you were talking about a lot of these wives 
uh, that will talk about their husband saying he just, you know, he doesn't pursue me, he doesn't do this. Um, I think that's the mentality that's crept in. Well, hey, I put a ring on her finger. I'm I'm nearby. I'm in the house. I'm I'm you know I'm within ten feet from you. What what's the problem? And and the whole idea is, but you're not there. You're not initiating. You're not um, engaged. Yes, exactly. I think that's a, a big word too. Is wives see that their husband and husbands are pretty, or at least a lot of us are are. Uh, we're pretty content with being there, but we don't take the next step to engage with our, our wives and engage with our kids. Uh, it's like I've had father after father say, well, I spend lots of time with my son. And as we start looking through that, because these are guys who struggle with same-sex attraction, and as we start going through that, the spending time was sometimes dad being there but not being engaged with his son. You know, he he may have been there watching television while his son was working on a project, but not involved with his son. Or it could be the dad forcing the son to do something the dad wanted to do that the son had no interest whatsoever in. Exactly. Coming in and taking it over and saying, well, let's do this and let's change this and let's make it this way, rather than being there and and guiding him as, as he completes the project or whatever he's doing. So then, what are we trying to tell the guys today? What is what? How did God design us then? I mean, if we're going to get back to kind of the, the model. Well, I think at the same time I'm looking at this warrior, I'm seeing God say, you know what, pursue as I pursue. And isn't that interesting? Because God did pursue me. He pursues each one of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like we come to him. He pursues us. He shows us who he is. And he comes to us. And even when we reject him, he continues to pursue us. Uh, he was helping me see that as my wife and I were having an argument one night. And, you know, it's fairly, you know, it's fairly typical to, for couples to have an argument and, and just kind of roll over to the opposite sides of the bed and go to sleep. And uh, unfortunately, what happens then is that then there's no pursuing going on right. there. And he said, how do I pursue, pursue you? Even when you turn my, your back on me... How do I continue to pursue? And he helped me to see that he comes back to me even when he's been the right one and I've been the one that's turned my back on him. So pursuing is taking that initiative, taking that step in spite of being hurt or in spite of having hurt feelings. Well, that's too convicting, so let's move on here. Cause <laughs> but that is true. I mean, think about it. Jesus himself modeled it for us first. Um, you know, even I always think of, uh, you know, when he washes disciples' feet, and he, he said, you know, you call me master and Lord, and, and that's right. But he said, I've set an example for you here of how you're to serve one another. And I thought, you know, that's initiative. That's pursuing. He didn't, he didn't wait around. I mean, for one thing, the disciples never would have thought, hey, Jesus, can you wash my feet? Because that would have been totally out, out of line with sure. their rabbi washing their feet. But he took initiative. And I think that's, and the initiative he took was of serving those he loved. Exactly. And I think that's another key point here is it's that's why, you know, I wanted to make sure our listeners knew we were not talking about aggression. Right. This is about pursuit that ultimately humbles itself before the people you love. It's that kind of pursuit that says, how can I serve you? How can I help your life improve? And it's caring enough to pursue in spite of differences. It's mm-hmm. saying, you know what, my son, my daughter, my wife, my, my relationships, they may not see things the way I do, but I pursue them anyway. I love them anyway, and I love them as they need to be loved, not like I want to love. 
So then what are some action points that we can give some of our guys to, um, you know, if, if they've if they've wanted to be pursued, but now they're realizing, you know what, I need to start initiating, what what could you tell them to begin doing? Well, it's sometimes like playing the opposite game, Jonathan. I don't know if you ever remember that. It's doing oh, yeah. everything opposite of what you might normally do. And that's in anything. If you if you think of a of a possibility, something that could change the way you do business or the way you do you, you run your life, and you think, oh no, I'll wait to see how that might happen, or I'll wait to see if that really pans out, pursue it and see how it goes. If your wife, uh, you come home from work and you don't norm, you normally give her a peck on the cheek and then head to the bedroom to change your clothes and read the newspaper, pursue her. Take some time to pursue her during that moment. Uh, your kids, if they're out playing, instead of waiting till they come in, go out and pursue them. Take on that pursuing role. Uh, kind of kind of read up in the Bible. There's example after example mm-hmm. of warriors in the Bible and how they sought, they went, they they took, they they pursued, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of follow those examples. We are glad you joined us today, and we hope that God had a special word just for you. Remember that Healing Hidden Wounds and Shadow of His Wings Ministry are listener-supported, and all services are provided on a donation basis. If you heard something today that was especially important to you, we hope you will consider donating a gift. Please visit www.healinghiddenwounds.com to donate today. Now let it rain in my life and my heart Your love has done its part Now let it rain